The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A young man has a close encounter of the turned kind. And then we revisit the story of Aura Reigns. An alien space captain who was so beautiful, men fall in love with her at first sight. It's a famous story. A lot of people know about it. But not a lot of people know that she came back to Earth to eat at a disgusting restaurant. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. A ton of stuff to cover. First off, I want to give a shout out to one of my legacy Patreon, Carson Wright. Carson, thank you so much for supporting the show. He's a good guy. I know him in real life. All my Patreon supporters are good guys. But I know Carson personally. He's an awesome dude. The other day, he was like, hey, you guys want to get back together and play some Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, yeah, sure. Then he starts talking about playing Seven Days to Die, which is a zombie survival game. I'd be totally down to play it, but my computer won't run it. Carson, let's play Castle Miner Z. Castle Miner Z. Look it up. If you have an Xbox 360 and you're under the age of 30, you know exactly the game that I'm talking about. My computer runs that. I've been playing Castle Miner Z a lot. It's Minecraft, but with machine guns. So, Carson, 1v1 me, bro. Also, I think all this week, pretty much, I've been doing, talking about movies I've been watching on Shudder. Now, again, I am not sponsored by these guys, but right, I'm telling you this because it's an awesome deal, and I signed up for it myself. And I don't get any kickback from these guys. I'm doing it as a service because I think it's awesome for you. Shudder.com is a horror streaming site. If you use the promo code SHUDDEN, S-H-U-T-I-N, you get 30 days free. And that's what I'm signed up. And then after that, it's like $5.99. I've been watching a different movie each night. I watched a movie the other day. It sucked. I didn't talk about it. But last night, I watched Soul Station. It's the prequel to Train to Busan. Now, both of those movies are available on Shudder. They're also available other places, YouTube. Uh, Amazon might have them as well. But a Soul Station is an animated prequel to Train to Busan. Both excellent zombie movies. Excellent zombie movies. I might re-watch Train to Busan tonight. Or I might watch Mandy, starring Nicolas Cage. I've always been curious about that. That's also on Shudder. What I'm going to do is on Friday night, let's say... 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm going to do a live stream where I'm going to be discussing these movies. So we'll have a little movie club night on Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you want to catch the live stream on YouTube, you're more than welcome to. Now, obviously, you don't really need my invitation. It's a pri- it's a public thing. And then I'm going to upload the audio to the podcast for the people who don't uh, watch the YouTube or miss the live stream or whatever like that. We're not going to be watching the films or anything like that for copyright reasons, but we're going to be discussing them. So, so far this week, we've watched The Room on Shudder. We watched One Cut of the Dead. We watched Soul Station. And then we're also going to discuss the movie Mandy. I'm going to watch that tonight. 
I also watched Supermax. It was a television show. It wasn't that good. But anyways, I'm not going to talk about that. So uh, if you want to join the Dead Rap Movie Club, it's totally free. And again, I think most of these movies aren't only on Shudder. I think you can rent them on YouTube as well. Soul Station is available for free on YouTube. Someone uploaded the whole movie. And we'll talk about Train to Busan as well. But anyway, so yeah, if you want to join the Dead Rap Movie Club, it's totally free. Let's go ahead and get started. Carson, I want you to fire up that carpenter copter and then take the keys back out because we're just sitting down for a second. You like that little tease there? This story I've been thinking about for like, I don't know, a year. And it's really super inconsequential, but I find it so fascinating. I'm going to sense everyone is at home. Everyone's doing the distant learning This is your English class for today, guys. This is super bizarre. Now, this is an English thing. I don't know how well it translates to other... Probably not at all, but obviously, if you can understand English, you... I'm being like, what? English is your second language. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. Fast forward five minutes. I just don't think this grammar rule... We're going to talk about grammar, guys. This grammar rule applies to other languages. What's fascinating about this is I consider myself, even though it may not seem the way that I speak, pretty well-versed in the English language, right? I think a lot of English speakers do. You would hope so, at least, right? But this is a rule, it's an English rule, that nobody was ever taught, but it's intrinsically true. There is a order to adjectives. What? Yeah, whoa, whoa, calm down, guys. Calm down. Put down the pitchforks and the torches. I know, you're going to blow your mind here. Sit down. There's an order to adjectives. They have to be in this particular order, otherwise it doesn't sound right. Now, I remember in in elementary high school, I remember in elementary school, we were diagramming sentences and doing all this stuff. You're never taught this, but it's just intrinsically built into the language. Here's the order. First, you do opinion, then size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose. You'd say the big red ball. It's the size, the color, and the purpose. The red big ball. It sounds weird. The ball big red. Big, red, good ball. The opinion comes first. Good, red. No, 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 that's wrong. Good, big, red ball. I mean, obviously now I sound like a caveman, but which doesn't help. But there is an order to adjectives. And when you start messing it up, the shiny sword. I have a shiny sword. I do actually have one sitting right by my door, so don't break in. I have a shiny sword, not a sword shiny. It's a long, shiny sword. See, the long is the opinion. Some people may consider it tiny. A giant would be like, that's not long. This is long. Ah. There is an order to... Isn't that weird? You're like, Jason, seriously? That was the first five minutes of your podcast? You're darn right it is. That's the first five minutes of my podcast. I think that's fascinating. I've been wanting to talk about that for like a year. And this just seemed like the right episode. So there we go. That's weird, right? That's kind of bizarre. Spooky. Wood. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Carson, let's fire up that carbonar copter. We are headed out to Indiana. <laughs> Flying over the prairies and like the wheat fields and stuff like that. It's nighttime, so we're coming in dark. It's we're specifically headed to Marion, Indiana. It's July 17th, 1989. It's 10 p.m. Now there's this dude. He's hanging out at his house, which is generally what people do, right? It's 10 p.m. You you might be out, but this guy wasn't. And like most of these stories, he sees something weird. None of these stories are 
He's he had a normal night. Like you know something is gonna go wrong when I'm talking about it on Dead Rabbit Radio. Or I just want to tell you about grammar. This dude's sitting at his house. And he sees something outside of his window. <laughs> sees a UFO hovering over a pond out in a field by his house. It's like, what? He's fully clothed, by the way. I normally don't have to add that <laughs> detail. But in this case, I do. He's fully clothed, and he's like, what in tarnation is that? He gets up off of his couch. Then something creepy happens. We don't see this happen very often. I guess we see it out in cars. But, you know, a man's home is his castle. It's a little bit different. He's in his house. The power goes out. Now he's in a pitch black house. And he's looking across this field. And he's watching this UFO. Now that's that adds a layer of creepiness to it. The fact that it has the ability to shut off the power in the house is creepy. Being plunged into darkness. Uh, power outages are always unsettling. Because they just happen so quickly. The civilized world is ripped from you in an instant. You're in a pitch black house. And then there's a bright flash. And then the next thing he knows, he's standing about five feet from the window. So he's in a, he was looking out, but now he's moved farther away from the window. He feels a pain in his side. All this stuff is happening simultaneously. So bam, he realizes he's in a different location than he was just a second ago. He has a pain in his side. He looks down and sees a bright red mark right on the side of his body. And while he's taking all of this in, he realizes all of his clothes are gone except his underwear. And his underwear is on backwards. And then he begins throwing up. After that, he began having dreams, reoccurring dreams, of something with large eyes hunting him, stalking him, following him everywhere he went. Pretty creepy story. And again, one that you have the power outage out of the house. Like Again, cars will shut down. But a lot of times, like you're driving your car powers off, that's not as chilling as your home Basically having all of the energy ripped out of it. That's spooky. I think it's kind of... I gotta admit, it's kind of funny that the aliens went through the trouble to put him back in his house, but put him farther away with no clothes on. Like, they could have... I, I bet you this was some alien's first abduction. It was his first day on the job. He was interning. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So we have this whole thing. Hey, Barry, Barry, you're paying attention to this, right? Yeah, 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 I'm paying attention to this. We have this thing where we abduct people. We do experiments on them. We implant them with false memories. And then we put them back exactly where we left them. You're, hey, Barry, Barry, you're paying attention to this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, uh, I, so someone called me. I just had to check. I'm waiting for a call from the doctor. Okay. Um, we don't have doctors. We're biomechanical aliens and we heal ourselves. But that's uh, kind of weird. You drop him back off exactly where you left him. Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. And I imagine that it was Barry's, Barry the alien's first day, and he's like, after they all got done doing this stuff, and they have this foolproof method of dropping him back off in his location, the guy disappears, and and then the lead alien's like looking around the UFO, he's like, oh, are you kidding me? He finds the dude's clothes everywhere. Oh, you're telling me you teleported him back with no clothes? Yeah, no, no, I put his underwear on. Put his underwear on. I'm pretty sure I did that part right. So, I mean, I guess I'm making fun of this guy who got kidnapped, cut open, and had his underwear put on sideways. See, close encounter of the turned kind, because his underwear is turned around. You like it? Yeah, you like that? 
and then he's throwing up. It, it, it w- that would be terrifying enough. But then to know that afterwards you're still going to have these nightmares about these aliens chasing you. These monsters, things with big eyes is the way he described them. Chasing them means that the experience definitely had an impact on him. And I'm sure in those dreams he saw something with large eyes following him around. And then there's like another guy with large eyes in the background bumbling stuff up. And the, the stalking creature turns around and goes, Barry! And every night the guy wakes up, he's like, what, what was the point of that dream? Who's Barry? Let's go ahead and fire up that carpenter copter one last time this episode. We are headed out back to Nevada. So Carson, fly us on out, and then we're going to take the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy, because, I mean, there's not a lot of desert places we go to. Fire up that Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. We are going to outrun the War Pups. We are headed out to... Mormon Mesa. Now, yesterday's episode, I don't do a lot of two-parter episodes, because I really like the episodes to kind of stand alone so people can jump in and out. But th- yesterday was just such a long, it's just such a long story. So I'm going to give you a brief overview. There was a guy named Truman Bethram. He was a mechanic for a road construction crew slash spiritual advisor at the same time. And in July 27, 1952, he met a bunch of aliens. Now, they didn't abduct him. He's like, hey, I want to go on your ship. And they're like, yeah, sure. And they bring him on the ship, and he's looking around, and all the aliens are these little short dudes with perfect olive skin. There's no wrinkles or creases or nothing. And he meets the captain, the bombshell, the brunette bombshell known as Aura Reigns, just a real curvy, sexy lady. Perfect thighs, perfect chest. Perfect complexion, everything. He falls in love with her immediately, and she tells him all about her home planet, Clarion, which... Now, yesterday I said that it existed on the other side of the sun. Originally said, originally he said it existed on the other side of the moon. We just can't see it, and the people go, that's not true. And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. It's on the other side of the sun. That's the ticket. That'll, that'll work. And then later on in his life, he said it was in another solar system. It wasn't anywhere near. So, you know, whatever. Probably making the whole thing up. But he ended up meeting. He fell in love with this alien woman. She's from a planet where everyone's Christian. There's no liquor. There's only polka music and you just square dance. Now, you don't have to square dance. You can be a scientist or work on a road construction crew. So anyways, he falls in love with her. He comes back to Earth. He writes his book, he starts a cult, and then he ends up passing away in 1969 after having this successful cult and writing all these books. Now, it's not a super well-known story, but in UFO lore, it's 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 kind of well-known, It's but it's not like a, this big mainstream thing. Back in the day, it was really popular because he did have followers to join his cult and stuff like that. But nowadays, it's kind of an obscure story, especially because parts of it don't make sense, i.e. a planet on the other side of the sun. Like I said on yesterday's episode, it's a really old conspiracy theory that there's a planet that's complete in opposite orbit of us. And we've been able to say with the way gravity works and stuff like that, we would be able to detect a body the size of Earth on the other side of the sun. So uh, the Messite Mysterious Universe did an article, a follow-up article, basically, written by Nick Redfern. It's in the show notes. You can take a look at it. And this is the only place I could find this story. So take it with a grain of salt. Mysterious Universe, they publish a lot of stuff. A lot of the stuff is pretty legit. So, But this was the only place I could find this story. We've heard the story about Truman out at Mormon Mesa. Meets the love of his life. She flies away. He ends up, his wife ends up divorcing him because he's in love with his alien. He ends up hiring his secretary when he's running a cult. 
that looks like her. He's totally obsessed with this chick. It's his waifu, 100%. Now, the story that that all happened, that was in July 1952. In August of 1952, we're going to a little diner in Glendale, Nevada. Ding, ding, ding. That's the door with the little bell. We walk in. It's a 1950s diner. We're just kind of walking around. We're dressed up in our suits, our little fedoras. No, never mind. Take the fedora off. It's sad those have such a bad reputation. We're wearing our suits. We've got our suits and our ties. Ladies, you have your little suit and your tie. Maybe you're wearing a little pins, pencil skirt. Is that what those are called? Those little cute little skirts. Make your legs <laughs> stick together so you can barely move. Don't worry. We won't have to run in this episode, so you'll be fine. We're walking into this diner, and I'm... Trying to get the waitress's attention. She's super hot. She's super hot. She's blonde. This is my own fantasy. I don't know about this detail. Hey, hey, what's up? So are you on the menu? And you're a super... You're like, Jason, oh my God, please don't. Please don't. So is the special you and me? And you're like, oh my God, Jason, please, please, please. Anyways, as I'm continuing to spit stellar game at this this waitress, dude, I'm breaking her heart. She wants me so badly. A crop, what we should be paying attention to is across the restaurant is Truman and his friend Whitey. Which is an odd... Don't we all wish we had a friend named Whitey? That's a dope name for a friend. Because you imagine him to be old and good at everything. Hey, Whitey, can you fix this pipe? Yeah, sure. I don't know how you would fix just the pipe, but yeah, I can fix it. He also seems like he would know everything about like whatever region you're in. And I should also say it's 3 in the morning, so it's pretty late. Most of the people here are long-distance truckers, people who are getting off work, people who don't want to go home. Now, this time, Truman is... So this is after he met Aura Reigns. This is after the alien abduction. He's still... And after he told his story to everyone. He's still working for the road crew, and he's still a spiritual advisor at the same time. It's such a weird combination of jobs. Anyways, so they're sitting there. They're eating pie. Truman and Whitey are eating pie. They're drinking coffee. Truman, mmm, delicious black coffee. Glug, 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 so good. Eating some cherry pie. <sniffs> Theater of the mind, people. Theater of the mind. Don't you feel, don't, can't you smell the cherry pie? A small man and a woman walk into the diner. Diddling, 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 diddling. Now, the man is unusually small. Little around five feet. But the woman, the woman's a knockout. She's walking in her beautifully bright red skirt, black little jacket on top, black sunglasses. Everyone's attention in the restaurant is on this beautiful woman. We're not really paying attention to the dude because she's just a knockout. Now, Truman knows who this woman is. This is Aura Reigns. Now, again, this is months after the UFO visit, and she was on a UFO. She wasn't in some greasy restaurant that's open at 3 a.m. in Glendale, Nevada. Now, Truman's like, I gotta go talk to her. Like, that is her. And Whitey gets super nervous. I don't know, boss. <laughs> that looks a little... Something about this is making me a little nervous. Apparently now he's Jim Carrey. And Truman goes, dude, calm down, calm down. And Whitey's like, I can't calm down, I can't calm down. And he leaves. He leaves his bro 
when he needs him the most. But Truman is undeterred. Puts down his fork. Chling, chling, puts down his cup of coffee. And he walks over to the woman. He goes, here's a quote. I beg your pardon, lady. But haven't we met before? And she turns, and with what he describes as a demonic or deadly hiss, she says, no. Truman responds. Quote, you very closely resemble a lady I met some time ago out on Mormon Mesa. No. She hisses back. He keeps asking question after question. No. No, no. You think her voice would get sore? Because I'm getting sore just doing it. No, no. He's asking all these questions. He's He wants to know. Now he says, the man is not responding to any of this at all. He's just sitting there. Acting like nothing is going on. He describes him as acting like he's deaf or blind. He just sat there and ignored the whole interaction. While he's trying to pimp on this hot chick. And eventually Truman, he's looking at her and he's like, I know this is her. But he he had some suspicions that it wasn't. One, they're in the middle of a diner. This wasn't in the middle of a desert on a UFO. Two, the man had a scar on his face. Now, that was one thing that he kept saying was that these people, their faces were creaseless and they had no wrinkles. They had perfect, perfect complexion. Super smooth skin. So the fact that one of them had a scar was throwing them off. And they both had glasses on. So he can't really see their eyes. And he's thinking, maybe this is just some weird coincidence. Like, the aliens in the previous episode, they were also like five feet tall. I guess I should have said that for the people who are listening to this one first. And this super hot chick, this olive skin Latin looking girl in the middle of Nevada. This is just weird, right? But... She keeps saying that she's not the space alien captain. He keeps trying to trick her. He's like, nice polka music, right? And she's like, "Uh, no. It's a beautiful night for square dancing. No. But anyways, he's like, it it must not be them. So the waitress who'd been serving them, because they're just eating food at the counter. It's a 1950s diner. She walks up to Truman, because, you know, he's a celebrity in town. Everyone knows him. This story was reported in the news about his UFO abduction. She walks up to him and she goes, that's surely the saucer people that you told us about, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I thought that too, but you know, they're wearing sunglasses and that dude has a scar. You know, I, I, they kind of look like him, but, you know, and I went up and talked to her and all this stuff. And then she goes, the waitress goes, you know, I noticed that too. You know, you said they had super smooth skin, but that's not a scar on his face. That he, It's drawn on. Somebody drew a picture of a scar on which, I mean... I don't know what makeup designer this guy's working for or how you draw a scar. Was it like an actual, like, just black line on his face? Like, you took a Sharpie on it? Was Truman truly the not the most observant person that he couldn't tell the difference between a pin? Or maybe it was like some super sci-fi hologram scar, but then how did the waitress point it out? Anyways, at that point, the guy wait, motions for the check. And the waitress goes over and gives him the check, and they go to leave. And Truman's just sitting at his table drinking his coffee. And he's thinking, oh, that's kind of weird that the scar's fake. But again, like, I just don't know. And she denied everything. And then at that point, the waitress runs over to Truman. He's sitting there. She goes, the lady 
The lady told me she knows you. <gasps> Truman gets excited. His heart's racing. It's not the overdose of caffeine. It's true love. And, the waitress continues, she says sorry. Here's this interesting quote. It's pretty much what I just said, but, but the ending part. Quote, the lady told me to tell you that she knows you and that she was sorry. And, yes is the answer to some of your questions. Unquote. Now, it's a little weird that some of them, he's like, oh, which ones did I ask? Oh, no. Did I really have to ask the one about the good polka music? Or I should have asked, is she really in love with me? Oh, wait, I did ask that. Is that one of the yes questions? Oh, no. Anyways, that's just kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, yes to some of them, no to others. Isn't that really the answer? Can't you say that about every question ever asked? Hey, how did you feel about those questions? Oh, I said yes to some of them. Some guy's not going to start chasing you out of a diner. You said yes to some of them. Everyone says yes to some questions. Do you want to have a fish stick? Yeah. Do you want to be boiled in lava? No. I mean, there's not yeses all around. Anyways, he runs out of the restaurant. Anyways, he turns and looks, and the couple had just left the restaurant. Ding, ding, ding. And Truman jumps up, and he runs. <sighs> he's kind of out of shape. He is 55 years old. He's out, he's out of breath just by running the 40 feet to get out of the restaurant. That's a pretty big restaurant. But anyways, however big it was, he gets out of the restaurant. And he's standing outside the restaurant. It's 3 a.m., a cold night in Glendale, Nevada. And it's empty. Except for his buddy, Whitey. Not, not kissing him, not making kissy faces. Smoking a cigarette. Nothing sweeter than Marlboro Red. So glad I'm not a smoker because I can never actually order that cigarette. Anyways. Turns and he looks at Truman. What are you doing out here, Truman? I thought you were inside. Stalking that woman. No, Whitey, didn't you see? They just came out. They just walked out this door. And Whitey goes, quote. We got a lot of quotes for this story. Are you proud of me? I got them all from this article. Quote, they never came out. <sighs> Honest, true. Not a blessed soul passed through that door until you came out. Truman's like, why'd you say it all seductive like that, Whitey? He's like, I don't know. So, that was the last reported sighting of Aura. As far as we know, he had never met Aura after that point. And that story is nowhere is near well-known as the main Aura story. So there's a couple different things. One, well, there's a lot of things to really unpack. But did, if, here, here's, the, I don't even know where to start with this thing. So first off, we have aliens that can teleport walking through doors. Which then you would wonder why they would go into a diner in the first place. Did they know that he was in the diner. It's an interesting point. In the main story, I didn't touch on this yesterday because I didn't have a lot of time, but in the main story, Aura Rain said that aliens can telepathically tell in their spaceships. They can read people's minds. They can telepathically tell if people are good people So before they meet them, which is an interesting thing. I've talked about that on previous shows. Like, Do aliens choose who they abduct, choose who they interact with? Or is it just kind of a crapshoot? When you go out hunting for deer, you don't go like, oh, I'm going to shoot that one deer I saw one day. You're just going to shoot a deer. Or when you're, you may be fishing for a particular type of fish, 
but you don't get one and go, this isn't the same one I saw Tuesday and throw it out. You're just fishing. So do aliens just randomly abduct people or are they reading our minds and figuring this stuff out? If that's true, then Aura must have known that Truman was at that restaurant, right? And she could have done this one thing where like she was talking to this dude and she's like, hey, do you want to go to this restaurant? He's like, why do you want to go to that restaurant? She's like, uh... Because I like it. And she like tricked him into it. Because I don't think he would have went. I don't know why. I'm assigning a motive to him. But why he would have. Maybe she was jeopardizing the mission by going there in the first place. Who knows? Maybe the dude was the one who put her up to it. I don't know. I don't know. I think you could get into all weird, sort of weird kinky subplots. But the point is, is that as far as we know, this is the last time that Truman met Aura Reigns. And he continued to love her until the day that he died. Now, you may be going, okay, Jason, great. You did a two-parter episode about a guy who wanted to bang a space alien. Congratulations. And I'd be like, thank you, thank you. I detect no sarcasm in that whatsoever. However, there is an interesting side note to this whole story. So I always find it fascinating when you have outside observers pick stuff up on this as well. So let's travel back in time to July 21st, 1952. I found this on a really obscure website called, like, The Wanderling. And it was doing a story about Truman and the whole Aura Reigns thing. But then it ends with this letter that this guy got who runs this website. He says he got a letter or he heard or somebody told him the story face to cut. He he got a letter from this guy who said back on July 24th, 1952, he had ditched school. He was a runaway. He was like a teenage runaway. Got in a fight with his mom. Left school. Actually, school was out for the year. But he's like, I'm never coming back. Like, I'm done with school, and I'm never coming back. Bye, Mom. And he runs away. And while he's running away, he meets this guy who picks him up. This doesn't get creepy. Who picks him up, and he's drinking and driving. And he's just, the kid just wants to get away from his family. And the guy's drinking and driving, and then he gets in a car accident in Mormon Mesa. Now, July 21st, 1952 is about a week. July 27th is when the alien ship appeared. This car's broken down in the middle of nowhere. And what happens is this teenager says that out of nowhere, multiple trucks, multiple vehicles full of Native Americans pull up. And they're like, hey, we saw that you got in that car accident. It's a good thing you're in the middle of nowhere. This could have been really bad. But anyways, the natives are like, hey, let's, you know, help get your car out of this ditch and stuff like that. And, you know, if you need to get a tow to mechanic, we can arrange that and all that stuff. But apparently the car wasn't damaged too much. They're out there in the middle of nowhere. And then, because again, this is July 24th, 1952. So while they're working on the car and getting everything situated, one of the largest earthquakes in United States history happens 30 miles away. It's known as the Tehachapi quake. (gasps) So, I mean, again, it's better to be out in the desert when this is going on than, say, anywhere in a building. You're like, oh, no, I work at a cracker factory and the building's made of crackers. Like, you don't want that, right? That, although that would also be bad during any sort of adverse weather. It's raining. Oh, no, this is poorly designed. A bunch of horses show up. They're licking the walls. Run! So anyways, the point is, is that they're out in the middle of nowhere. They're with these Native Americans and this drunk dude. And there's a big earthquake. And everyone's like, oh, that's super weird. Now, they do get the car working again. But after a while, the Indian dudes are like telling this kid, they're like, dude, we got to take you back home. Like, you can't continue your journey with this guy. And the teenager's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, totally like, desperate to get a ride out of town. And they're like, yeah, this guy's not up to really any good. He's already going to drive him. Let's take you back home to your mom. Teenager's like, yeah, I I guess I probably do need to go home. So, so the Native Americans drive him home. Now, 
they get him home and the mom is like, oh my God, thank you so much. I was wondering what happened to him. And then there was a massive earthquake and I lost my job at the Cracker Factory. Everything is not working out, but I'm so glad you brought my son back. Can I pay you anything? And the Indians were like, no, 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 no. You don't have to pay us anything. But we really like your son. We really like your son. He's a pretty good guy. I was wondering if he could come back with us for this ritual. Mom's like, what? He's like, we're going to have to... It's really hard to describe, but in a by the end of the week, there's going to be this massive event happening out at Mormon Mesa. It's a vision that we've been given, and we want your son to be a part of this thing. Would he be willing to go hang out with us for about a week and see this thing? Now, they're being really cryptic to what it was, which is going to make people super nervous, right? It's a bunch of strangers. They're super nice, but they're saying, can we borrow your son for a week? We can't tell you why, but it'll be insane. So the mom did end up saying, no, no, you can't. You can't do it, right? You can't. And and the teenager, to be fair, also was like, eh, I don't know. Like, you guys are cool and all. That's asking a lot. So the people go, well, we feel bad. We were hoping you could be part of this event, but we we realized that you're scared of a bunch of strangers, which is a good thing, and they left. Now, later on, after the newspaper articles and everything came out, the teen realized that this tribe must have known that that UFO was coming. Which adds an interesting wrinkle to the whole story. Because we have the UFO out in the middle of nowhere, and you have the story of Truman meeting R. Reigns and falling in love, and that's become the the lore. But the, the interesting question is, what were they doing out there in the first place? Did they come out specifically to see Truman, or were they working with this Indian tribe doing something else, and Truman just happened to be there? They were just kind of hanging out talking, and he woke up they didn't they didn't interact with them at all he woke up and began interacting with them so i always think it's interesting when we have these stories have alternate versions or alternate witnesses different places observing the same thing so out of all the stories we've covered it may be true there may be an aura reigns out there there may be a beautiful space captain because they live to be about a thousand years old on the planet clarion could it be a beautiful space captain still out there? Unless she was 995 years old when this story took place, but she could still be out there flying through the cosmos. And if she is, she may be piloting that ship surrounded by short men that do her bidding, her crew ready to die at her command. And while she's piloting that ship sitting in her captain's chair, every so often, her mind goes back to that night at that greasy little diner. She saw Truman, and she wanted him so badly to come up to her. She wanted so badly to talk to him. But she knew the rules. She knew the first rule of being a space captain. Never fall in love. So even though she could read Truman's mind and knew he loved her more than anything, she couldn't reciprocate that. She just had to walk out of that diner. And disappear. But that doesn't mean that she didn't love him. And to this day as she flies through space. Every so often she thinks of Truman. And a smile comes to her face. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. 
Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Be safe, be kind. I love you guys, and I will see you tomorrow.